0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 24 of Eastern Conference Confidential, the first, only, and best, I don't think I said that last week, which is weird, podcast covering the, uh, well now, certifiably, the best Division II soccer league in the United States of America and Canada. I'm your host, as always, Evan Malella, Uh, the waviest man in St. Louis is not here, he's on vacation again, um, catching a bunch of fish in Alaska and sending them back to his house or something. Uh, however, it is not just me. Thank God,
1: I am joined by the USL <laughs>
0: Stats Department, Ryan Allen. Ryan, how you doing? Welcome back yourself, by the way.
1: Thank you. Good to uh, get back to recording and have the, and Real Madrid just scored in the MLS All Star game, so I have that Great. on in the background.
0: Great. Um, nothing like playing against a you know, third string of of Spanish you know, uh, Premier League type guys. It's good, even try well, that's who. Uh, can we let's go way out of order real quick, and and just because it just happened like a couple an hour ish ago, uh, FC Cincinnati won Miami FC nil. The USL reigns supreme. Um, yeah, so uh, actually, it's funny. Brian from Cincy Soccer Talk tweeted me immediately after the game and said, "Is Bethlehem Steel the best second division team in the country now because of of Cincinnati beating Miami?" and i said the transitive property applies yes definitely um this isn't the but, bcs uh, it, it's true it's not it's not well we would we would split the title and then you know um something with computers it would be great
1: i'd um, just say boise state wins it all
0: oh it's so true they should have they should have uh anyway <laughs> uh no uh, gb falls scores again which is unfortunate cuz he can't play this weekend um his fourth of the tournament fourth of the, he's you know what? He scores uh, Justin Hoyt with the cross, which is great. Um, but, yeah, no, since he's going to host Red Bull now on the 15th or something like that. Yes, 15th. Right. Cool.
1: And they would face the winner of Sporting Kansas City, who has won the tournament on previous occasions, and San Jose Earthquakes in the final. Host TBA. Yeah, I, that would be interesting. Um, anyway. First. They'd be the fir- or they're the first non MLS side since the semi to make the semifinal since two thousand eleven, in which the Richmond Kickers lost two one eventual cup runner ups at your Chicago Fire. There you go. Although Chivas USA made the semifinals in two thousand twelve and they're now a non MLS side. Hey.
0: Hey. There's still their lineage still lives on through Jake McGuire.
1: Or drawing two two with the homegrowns that's well it's a different that's
0: a different thing I mean it's not a different thing but it's a different thing um <laughs> anyway uh so so really out of order show just because we, I figured we'd bring that up but um let's let's talk the week that was week 19 of the USL season and we'll start by ripping off the band-aid uh, for, for me at least Bethlehem Steel suffered their worst, worst loss uh, at home uh ever ever um 4-0, which ties for the worst loss in club history when they lost 4-0 to New York Red Bull 2, the eventual league champs on April 10th, which featured a 15-second uh, own goal by Joshua Yarrow.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a pretty match for no. you guys, Evan. I'm no. sorry about that. Aaron Jones with the red card in the 73rd minute. Yeah. i Hilton getting a brace 7th and 48th. Jorge Herrera in the 19th. Alex Martinez scoring in the 80th. It just seemed like an all-around great performance from Charlotte, who who held possession 55-44, and it was their 10th straight unbeaten match, and they've just really climbed up the table here in recent weeks and have games in hand over Charleston and are looking primed to take them over in first place in the next coming weeks, yeah. especially with this week being such a pivotal match.
0: Yeah, isn't that isn't that crazy If there's a team, you know, because... At least for, for my perspective, without looking at the table super intently every week, I was like, oh, it's just going to be Charleston, you know, just kind of running the floor. Um, and maybe because I thought Red Bull 2 did that last year, so why shouldn't, shouldn't someone do that this year? But um, now Charlotte, they're the real deal. Um, Enzo Martinez is, is amazing. Um, really, from a, from a Bethlehem perspective, the biggest thing to take away from, other than no one's happy that this happened, which in a way is a good thing, um, because we have some winnable games coming up and, and some games against Tampa Bay who we're close to in the standings, kind of things like that. Um, that Aaron Jodes red card is interesting um, because they've they've tried Trusty out wide at left back, and actually he played kind of the left in a 3-4-3 in the, in the MLS homegrown game, um, which is interesting. But um, I don't really... I like him as a center back more. Um and you know, so maybe we'll see Matt Rial and 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 Matt Mahoney next week at the wingbacks. I don't I don't know, um, but that's really the big thing is just to see you know what kind of rotation we get with Jones out, who's been phenomenal this year for for Steele. Um, Corey broke looked good coming back, almost had a goal or two. Um, Cody Mizell made a couple great saves, but you know, definitely, definitely, definitely. It, he's
1: been there. He's been one of their best keepers mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference this week yep. up there with Thomas Romero and Hilda Brandt.
0: Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, credits to – I don't want to spend all day on this, but credits to Charlotte. Um, and, and, you know, Bethlehem has to kind of regroup again, um, facing Ottawa away this weekend. But we'll talk about that. Uh, moving on. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy.
1: Probably the most talked about match of the weekend. Oh uh, boy.
0: Um I I will say, I will say. I think that and and this is every fan base, but I, I think that when you draw fifteen to twenty five thousand people and have a little bit of an outspoken face of your ownership in, in Jeff Birding. I feel like we hear this a lot more coming out of Cincinnati than anywhere else. Uh but but the, uh, the orange and blue faithful like to talk about how bad the referees are a lot. Um, that being said, three penalty kicks when you lose three to two is not great. Um, but if anybody from the Cincinnati, you know, contingency is expecting an answer from pro or USL even about, you know, the refereeing, I wouldn't hold your breath. You'll die. Um, all oh, that to say, Rochester 3, FC Cincinnati 2, and, and a bit of a shocker. Um, yeah, two red cards, 35 combined fouls. It's uh, it's a bit ridiculous, but, you know, those penalties, at least the one that Wallfall got to tie things, was was legit.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, you know, with this right here, it was two red cards. GB Fall had a second yellow, sent off at 42, and then backup keeper Dallas today. Was shown a red card from the bench for, I think, offensive language and was sent off from the fourth ref. The team actually released a statement on there, which is, I guess, I don't know what the correct word to use here for the team releasing a statement on referee calls. Um, I mean.
0: So, like, I, I get why you do this.
1: Um. I mean it's a show of displeasure and they did speak with the league right but...
0: well but the thing is right so so if this was me and I get that you know you're you're in the heat of the moment you're very passionate you you know uh you broke your attendance record league average 20,000 thing whatever that was so you wanted a you know a positive result but um you know, if you were to ask around with the other teams in the league who've been unsatisfied with the refereeing, which I think at times has been all of them, um, and you go, "Hey, you know, other than submitting to the league, is there anything that's going to you know speed up this process or make it more transparent?" The answer is no. Um, so why you would come out to your fan base and go, "Oh, the referees are terrible. The league should do something about this. There's not enough." And I you know what, I think the the critique where it was there's not enough full time referees in this country is is perfectly accurate. But you know, to mm-hmm. say that you know, oh, you know, we got we got screwed over and, and all that stuff, it, it doesn't matter anymore after the final whistle. In,
1: in the long run, calls like that should balance themselves out over the year. Sure. Your opponents you'll play will get calls that their fan base will call unfair or against them, and that will benefit you guys. And, I mean, that's what I at least believe that in the long run, it balances itself out over the season. It just may not happen on a game-to-game basis. Sure,
0: yeah. And, I, you know, fall getting a second yellow for dissent and getting sent off, and then your your backup, you know, one of the guys on your bench getting a a straight red for dissent. You know, it just kind of gives me flashbacks to the beginning of the season where the team was undisciplined. Um,
1: I mean, I've talked with Evan of the Anomal City Soccer for the West, (laughs) and he says Cincinnati still remains in the top 10 of yellow cards, fouls, and they still lead the league in red cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're a good side. They have showed great flashes of offensive prowess. Danny Koenig, for instance, is a really good is as I've said all year, it's a good signing and a great goal scorer for them. Mm-hmm. But it's these these fouls and these cards keep holding them back from all of this. I mean, yeah, you know, I f- feel like it just hinders the team.
0: Yep. Um. Just really quick, just because I have it open. Um, GB falls out. You have Dallas J, who you, who we talked about, the goalie on the uh, on the bench actually gets two games for for a red card for abusive language. Um, so he's out for, for this next game and then the one on August 12th against Louisville. Um, and then, uh, Yohan DeMott as well, or Demet for, for Cincinnati, one of their assistant coaches is also suspended. So, um, just, you know, not, not a good look for a team that's, that's trying to really present itself professionally. And, you know, um, the results on the field are clearly there. So it's, it's, it's gotta be frustrating in a way.
1: Um, I mean the team still sits in 6 at the table right now so it's not like the season's gone to waste right. it's just I mean yeah third place last year was high expectations high standards and so they have it's a step back from what they were last season Right Right
0: Uh moving on uh, again unfortunately Phil is not here to talk about this but uh, St. Louis making Emmanuel uh Appia
1: pay off Appia. yeah
0: yeah app uh 46 minute he gets a goal it's the only one between richmond and st louis uh richmond you know make the most out of the possession at home lead the shots uh at least you know in general um maybe should have got a goal but you know st louis gets out of richmond with a one no win and, and a good one um for a team that's looking to build some kind of momentum that's that's a big help
1: yeah, and nice on Emmanuel Appiah and his first appearance for St. Louis, the former Fort Park Rangers player, to score a goal here and really help out St. Louis. Louis and a team where it seems like almost every time someone goes into Richmond, they, they're on the wrong side of possession, wrong side of shots, and they always seem to make the best of that situation and come away either with a point or with three, and it just goes back more to Richmond. And who struggle mm-hmm. to take advantage of the possession that they have struggled to and capitalize on any attacking chances. I mean, their win over Bethlehem a few weeks ago which their has been their only win in like past couple months. So yeah, it just seems at this point, I think it's that like the team has struggled and it's hard to convert on chances. Yeah. Um, from there, the
0: another battle of Ontario. This one finally goes in favor of Ottawa. Two-nothing win. Um, Azake or Azake uh, Lubayera in the 24th minute. Nice little set piece kind of goal, which is Ottawa's bread and butter. And then Sito um, Sione with uh, goal of the year nominee. I don't think it's going to be uh, his teammate, Steven Dos Santos, from the halfway line. But um, it was it was quite the strike. Uh 27 to 5 shot lead for Ottawa. Um but they only get two goals although it's, you know, 5-1 shots on target. But uh the
1: team is dominated in the they shot game. I mean, yeah. I mean, then you look at the inverse of Toronto with 40 clearances right. on the night. Hey, but I mean, I have it up here in the show notes. Just the shot graph for <laughs> Ottawa on the night is just covered in their and shots they had yeah. 10 block shots on the night which is more than Toronto recorded period and good good on theory to score their first goals and win over their Canadian neighbors and USL played to kind of at least establish themselves I still think they are definitely the better side over Toronto in the league clearly mm-hmm. but it was at least getting over that hump that to say okay now we can at least score and beat our neighborhood team
0: Yeah, yeah um And then I have more things that relate to this weekend, so I won't talk about it. Uh, Charleston, Orlando City B, a nil-nil draw. Ryan, you were there. I'll let you talk about this if you if you want to. If you don't, I understand.
1: Yeah, it was um, an interesting match. The rain definitely affected pitch conditions. It delayed kickoff about 10 minutes. Orlando ended up controlling possession for the match 54.9 to 45.1. There were 10 shots each. Orlando led 3-2 in shots on target, and... And basically, my initial neutral reactions—I sat in the press box for this match, so I, you saw it from up high. The battery just looked tired. It was their third match in seven days, and it just seemed like Orlando came off from better rest, and and Charleston has struggled in recent weeks. They just now got Romario Williams back from Gold Cup action, mm-hmm. and and this was been their fifth straight match winless, and I guess you really can't attribute it to Romario. I mean, they're not a one-team player or at least have at least shown that they try not to be fourth lasso as in other ones, but it just seems like they need to start getting going, or else Charlotte and Louisville, who both sit one and two points back respectively, he will catch them.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and, and, you know, it, it was funny because a lot of people were like, you know, oh, well, Romy's gone, you know, are, are they going to fall off? Um apparently none of us like looked at their calendar. Um, because I think if anyone sees three matches in a week, like literally a week, um, you would think, yeah, they're not going to do too hot there. And, um,
1: credits for Orlando I mean, city B for against Pittsburgh, but and yeah. a point here, I mean, it's two of nine. Yeah. Um,
0: but I mean, you know, credit for Orlando city B to, to go in the Charleston and grab a point and, and get out. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, how quick it, it takes for Mario Williams to readjust to to USL life. But I, I would I would bet not he very subbed long. He was in
1: into the second half, so there wasn't playing a full ninety. Yeah, yeah. Maybe rainy conditions also impacted the pitch. Probably. Um.
0: From there, uh, another dangerous team, Louisville City, two New York Red Bull, two one, meaning Louisville City scored twice, Red Bull two scored once. Uh, Louisville gets a, a 39th minute from Paco Craig, a 70th from Luke Spencer. Stefano Bonomo for the Red Bulls kind of sandwiches it in there in the 50th, 58 minute uh, possession was literally 50 50 as far as USL and, and Opta are concerned, which would in fact be the only time that's happened all year. I would, I would think.
1: Um, I look through the Eastern Conference matches, and that's the only time I've seen in a 50 50 possession yeah. split in a match, and and so. As If Opta says it, it has to be true, <laughs> of course, but Louisville with 15-14 lead in shots, 8-4 in shots on target, and they've scored in five straight matches, two straight wins, and a lot of tackles on the night, 29-20, 27-15 20, in clearance lead as well, and Louisville just seems like always that consistent side yep. in the East, yep. towards the top of the conference in each third of seasons.
0: Yeah, I I don't want to say they're a team that can go in the autopilot and and still play well and still be okay, but it, it definitely feels like they know the right kind of balance of of pressure and you know uh, kind of how to how to manage these games to get the most out of them. I guess is what I'm trying to say, um, and you know they keep proving that. Um, I think it's. One of the hardest things to do in this league is to be consistent in your offense. Um, you know, there's there's weeks teams can go. Be period, with that too. moving in between rosters, um, But, you know, especially in offensively, which is, you know, if you score a first goal, for example, or something like that, you're able to put pressure on the other team and kind of make them play, you know, um, uphill a little bit.
1: Play according to your match. Right, right. And, and... and
0: Louisville does a really good job at doing that. Um, and I, I think that's World's part of awesome. what makes them so scary.
1: Yeah, and they've proven, like I said at the start of the year, to have good signs. Brian Omi, for instance, Oscar Jimenez, yep. you know, is also another really good player for the team this year, one of the most solid defensive back lines in the league. And they've just, I remember Phil talking about this, I believe it was last week, that they've become more of the, at least in home field advantage, the Colorado Springs of, the East and just how well they play at home. They only have one loss all year, and that was to Cincinnati Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. So they've become a dangerous side here in this conference, especially when they're playing at home. It makes me think of when Charleston had their season's long streak of not losing at MUSC. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Well, uh, it was funny because if you listen to Mongols, from, from last week where they had Matt from unused subs on, uh, I I think Mike made a couple jokes about how, you know, Oh, it would be fine if, if Alex Morrell scored on, on us because we're used to getting beat by, by children. Um, and not that Alex (laughs) Morrell is a child. In fact, we, uh, we shared the same birth month. So Alex, if you're listening, how's it going? Nice of you to be 15 days older than I am. Um, but uh hey, congratulations on your first brace. Morel scores twice. And uh the first rowdies few goals get, of a, the season, get a of no season. Get his season. Yeah, the the first two in, in USL for him. Um so, you know, good man. Good man. Um Hounds continue to just not not know what they are. Um and and, and that Mongols episode that I just referenced earlier is a is a good insight into how those guys are feeling about it. Um Slash if they put one out tomorrow or or anything like that. Um, I Ryan, I guess the 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 short question is, um, do the Hounds need a GM? Uh,
1: and then you I'm know, sure. I mean, for the rally, they rallies... signed attacking players, so it's not like <laughs> I think the guys they have uh, it should be a lot of scoring. Corey Herzog is but, arguably one of the best strikers I... in the league. You look at Kevin Kerr, yeah, but it's or K Banjo. It's not the Romeo it's Parks. not the offense for Romeo. them though.
0: Yeah, it's I never say his name right either. It's Romeo, but it's it's not the offense for them. It's it's a direction thing, I think. Um, I don't know. There, there's a ton of there's a ton of things. We're not as well equipped to, to talk about the club as mm-hmm. Mongols is, but I, I think it's it's decently clear that something needs to change in that organization. Um. And I don't necessarily I mean, think it's the
1: coach. Um, no, I mean, they have had flashes of good team, and Dave Brandt is a good coach in yeah. soccer. I mean, I know they've had, or at least different goalkeepers between Kiesel Broome, um, Trey Mitchell, and the Macklin Robinson, who was on loan from yep. North Carolina FC, did play one match for them. So maybe trying to find consistency in goal. or well, Their back line is good with taylor washington yep. among probably the top players on that team but again we're not the most qualified to speak about this mongols right. definitely are right all right so compared to last season pittsburgh is a better side so it's mm. not mm. that they're you're doing terribly i just think a lot of the eastern conference has improved and the rising tide may have not risen all ships
0: Yeah. um and then uh, uh, this week is already underway. Um, if you wanted to see goals in Orlando City B versus Harrisburg, nope, nope, no, you will not. Uh, tenth, sh- cl- tenth clean sheets against for Harrisburg this year. Forty-seven um, percent. Just a just a really not great game. I'm actually kind of interested to to read Chris's preview before it hits the internet uh, publicly. Because I don't know what he's gonna Harrisburg say about S- this. Match. Yeah, I, uh,
1: uh. and yeah, just I guess it really shouldn't surprise me if Harrisburg not scoring. I will say it was funny that out in the Western Cup, France again, not our region, but there was a three-three yeah draw between Whitecaps you and RGV, yeah. and then no nail over here in the East, but forty clearances combined on the night, a 13-8 shot lead for Orlando. Orlando leads in possession. But not much else to say other than a point for each in the table with both teams still sitting at 24 points. If we played, piece. like,
0: who's that Pokemon with with every team in the league,
1: um, which
0: I think we're going to have to do now, um, Orlando City B is, like, ditto, wherein the, like, they can just kind of be whatever the other team is. And I think this is the case here for that one, where... If Orlando City B plays a little bit more of an attacking side, I think they find a goal, or at least you know this doesn't finish nil nil. Um, But Harrisburg, you know, I think it's it's easy. Uh, Harrisburg would be what was the the like magician one with the spoons.
1: I'm drawing a blank right here, but uh, it makes sense with Orlando uh, just uh, kind of morphing to whoever's game that they're playing. I mean, I remember. Weeks past, we talked about Pittsburgh playing their game according to someone else and Mm -hmm. how it's not worked out for them, but at least for Orlando, it seems to be a bit more successful when they play towards their opponent, and they've actually been able to earn points from these fixtures because of that.
0: I'm trying to find it. I'll find it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, You posted a lovely chart in, in terms of possession averages for the Eastern Conference of the League
1: and it has not changed since I did that. Good. Um, in, sh- in
0: short, uh, at the bottom, well, there's a couple ties, but uh, at the bottom, what is that? Two out of the three bottom teams are old guard shield teams. And then out of the one, two, three. Four.
1: Out of the bottom seven, bottom all half. five of them are there. Yeah, all old guard teams are in the bottom half, yeah. so it's not. I don't want to say theory confirmed, but pretty close, at least partially agreed upon. I mean, Charleston was the lowest of those old guard teams at a forty-four percent possession average. Ottawa was tied for lowest with them as well. But then you look towards the top of the table, and the top four teams, teams say for New York Red Bulls, are also the top four in the table. Of Tampa at fifty-six percent, Charlotte at fifty-three, Louisville at fifty-three as well. Red Bulls are also leading the table at. And 56%, so it definitely at least shows the contrast in styles of play. I mean, it's shocking now to see Rochester starting to lead possession in matches like they did against FC Cincinnati this past week, but it more or less proves that old guard teams play a bit more counterattacking football compared to the up-tempo Louisvilles or Charlottes of the conference.
0: Yeah, um... And and to to kind of round out my Pokemon talk, Harrisburg is Abra. Um, not only because they look cute and unthreatening, but uh, just just because you know they're they're <laughs> they're kind of you know uh, it's, it's Abra. It's not really gonna pose that big of a threat. Anyway, uh, moving on the week twenty one, the week that will be. We're old enough to drink now in twenty seventeen. So congratulations, everybody. Um kicking things off this weekend. Red Bull 2 at home in uh, Montclair against Rochester. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say about this one, really. Other than that, I think, whereas at the beginning of the season this would be really easy to, to to pick, I'm not so sure. Um, I'm really...
1: Yeah, I'm not as positive on this one. During last season, the teams played each other three times in the regular season, and it all ended in draws, either two no-nails and one one yeah. draw. So it wasn't surprising to see another draw here. Yeah, New York just doesn't seem – or the Baby Bulls just doesn't seem like the team they were last year, as I've said so many times. And Rochester I, have I also think... seemed like the team. Go yeah. ahead.
0: I think we can confirm that Red Bull two aren't the team that they were last year at this point for sure. Um I, I think in terms of what'll actually happen, like, you know, what I what I think will happen with my head, um I, I think we're looking at a draw. Uh one one sounds about right. What I would love Nill, to see is nil, nil-nil right. sounds about right, damn. Um, what I would love to see happen is the the baby bulls win here. And then the logjam in the kind of last couple of playoff spots gets even worse because they'd be on twenty seven with uh, time of recording. Uh, Bethlehem would be and there, Russia and then scored. Ottawa would be bumped out of a playoff spot. It would be chaos. It'd be great. It'd be great.
1: So Dax McCarty discord for MLS, but
0: hey, the boy.
1: So it went off the crossbar and eventually headed in.
0: All right. right
1: on. And or at least that's who the camera was shot. Thing, but solidarity. It definitely seems like there's a lot of teams in the middle of the conference yeah. that are just mediocre. I mean, I would pick eighth through twelfth right now. Yeah, that all are roughly the same side. And it was Dwyer with the header who was just celebrating with McCarty. <laughs> I clarify. Fair enough. New uh Orlando City player.
0: Then moving, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, for, I kind of for, I f- keep forgetting that happened.
1: Um, or a former Orlando City player now returning back to there Orlando you go. City.
0: Different Orlando City. Um, USL alum. In the player, eyes of MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on, um, Charleston Batteries should have their way with Toronto FC two. If I were to pick a game for Mario Williams to really reestablish himself in the league, here it is. Here it is. Uh, it's in Ontario. It won't matter. Charleston should take this like three to nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see Charleston having no problems with this one. Toronto has not established themselves as a threat this year to anyone taking over the mantle as the FC Montreal of the conference, if I should say so. But oh, no. I, Charleston returns to force in this conference 2-0. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, since it's your pick for, for the match of the week, I'll figured you should probably talk about it
1: first I mean, at least. What else to say, it's in my ELO Power Rankings I published with the novel of City Soccer, it's 1v2 of Charlotte versus hosting Louisville City in the table. It's 2v3, and both teams with games in hand have chances if either one wins and results go their way with Charleston, they could be sitting in number one of the table at the end of the weekend, and which would be huge, especially for Louisville, Louisville who's finished second twice in the past Two years, Mm. Charlotte, who has just now been one of the hottest teams in the conference. I mean, I'm favoring Charlotte here at home, but a lot of these games have gone at least one goal result may just be enough between Charlotte and Louisville. There was 1-0 at the start of last season. It's been 2-1, I believe, this year. So I would definitely, I think 1-0 result is probably going to be the scoreline, and I want to say Charlotte when was it it's one but it's truly it's up in my mind i i think
0: this is where we get a, a really good look at kind of one of those outside chance at an eastern conference championship come um you know november i guess that would that would fall um and I think because of that, I have it at 2-1 for Charlotte, and I think Enzo Martinez and Jorge Herrera get their, their hands all over this one. Um, and for Louisville, I think, I think Brian Ombi kind of steps up and, and makes his presence felt in some capacity.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Enzo Martinez and Brian Ombi would definitely be in my top five of best players in the Eastern Conference. Yes. This year up there with Romario Williams, i want to say Wallfall, and I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. I'm going to finish out number five. Uh, uh, when he was in the league, Deshaun Brown would have been that. Number
0: yeah. Five, number nine, um, Martin Patterson mm. right now. If, if you're going off of form, um, Brandon Miller, the keeper for the, the city Islanders is a weird one, but I wouldn't be opposed. Um, it's probably a keeper. Callum Irving, Mitch Hildebrandt's always in the discussion. Yeah.
1: Portillo, if I was going to have, or if I had to select another one from the battery, yeah, but went back to the Louisville Charlotte. It would not surprise me to see either one of these teams in the Eastern Final, maybe the USL Final. Yeah. In fact, both these sides could be facing each other for Eastern Conference Final. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, and then from there, FC Cincinnati or Orlando City B. Um, I since he played a played a tough game in a really really humid kind of conditions in in Orlando just just now um I think Orlando gets a draw here I they might get a win uh, but I think a draw is gonna be a safer bet two two uh no G well hmm. then I remember that GB falls is not gonna play um
1: but Danny Koenig is
0: that's true yeah all right no, I'll keep it two two whatever
1: yeah, I think Koenig it's. and McLaughlin for Cincinnati. This has definitely been a, at least an interesting fixture with Cincinnati having think, a few players out on red cards. And I think it's more interesting that Orlando City B has been one of the few teams to actually defeat FC Cincinnati at home this year, as mm, they did mm-hmm. back in May with a 2 0 result. And they did 1 1, as you mentioned earlier, down in Orlando. So it definitely seems like. Orlando has been one of the few teams that have played up to FC Cincinnati's level whenever they meet. And I yep. can't, I mean, I see it as both ways of either FC Cincinnati would just come out and take a shutout win, or they would end up just doing the draw for this one. I mean, I'll agree with you and do a 1 1 result like they did down in Orlando a mm. few months ago. Mm. But it would not surprise me to see FC Cincinnati take three from this.
0: I'm always one to pick kind of weird matches for my match of the week. Um, some people also might say that I advocate people or advocate for people watching bad soccer, um, especially when I say that my match for for you to watch this weekend is the Pittsburgh Riverhounds at home against the Richmond Kickers. Um, A, it's an old guard shield matchup, which, by the way, OGS Twitter folks, folk. I forget who you are. Uh, if the shield exists, I know we were we were kind of talking about that early in the season when I talked to you guys, and you said that it was it was eventually coming, but you weren't sure on a timetable. Um, if it's real and it, it's a thing, um, I would love to see a picture of it because I haven't yet. And if I just missed it, that's totally my bad. Um, and then if it's not real, if you could like let us know if a timetable is is kind of popped up for that if you want to dm me and just you know kind of keep it on the hush hush that's also great but um anyway all that to say old guard shield match i think this is where you can see um pittsburgh either figure out who they are or suffer a really weird draw or loss to richmond which will break their backs for the season um I think anything less than three points here for the Hounds really puts them out of contention for the for the playoffs. Um, yeah, I know it's kind of early, Yeah, but
1: I I don't know. Ryan, thoughts? I mean, I would in the Eastern Conference, I would only pick Richmond and Toronto as being the only teams that would be dead in the water here. here but it's strange with currently looking at the table, New York Red Bulls that currently sitting eighth at twenty four points. You go all the way down to St. Louis and Thirteenth. They have twenty-two, yeah. and all these teams are just so tightly represented that I don't think a loss here takes them out of contention. Points-wise, it may he suffer at least a blow to how serious the team is I... this year to be considered amongst the rest in their conference. But
0: yeah, I I think not so much in the points. But I think more so a psyche kind of thing because their schedule doesn't get any any easier from Richmond. Um, It's it's actually pretty hard. Um, They host Bethlehem. I think they have Tampa again. Um, A a couple of just really kind of nasty games coming up for the Hounds.
1: Um, And you know the yeah past this one, the kickers would then play Orlando, City B, Toronto, and then they do a home, host Charleston, then at Charlotte, which isn't pretty. But if you go back and look at Pittsburgh. They have, Harrisburg. They travel to Harrisburg, they travel to St. Louis, mm-hmm. they host Bethlehem, and then they do back-to-back, or three in a row of at FC Cincinnati, and then hosting Louisville and Rochester. Oh. So I mean, it definitely doesn't get any easier here, no. and if you're going to try and pick up points... Doing it against Richmond would be the team to do so. Uh,
0: and then, and then from there, um, Bethlehem travel up to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada for the first time as they play the uh, the Fury for the second time this season. Um, the they absolutely dominated Toronto FC two in their last game. Um, that being said, the last time, the first time that ottawa and bethlehem met was a choo-choo draw um which featured a a hell of a strike by by sake um and and talking to brendan this morning um coach burke uh he really thinks getting pressure to them is the easiest way to break the team down um not so much trying to counter like toronto did but really, forcing them, you know, out wide, and forcing them to make a lot of a lot of quick passes. Um, Rosenboom played a really good game against Toronto, and just kind of neutralizing one or two guys in their team, and and you know making it hard for them to to live their life at home where they get a little bit of love from the Canadian uh, soccer officials um, is going to be the key to success. I think Bethlehem bounces back, gets a win because they're definitely not happy um, after. Uh, a thumping by, by Charlotte and uh, and they'll get three points and move up to 30 on the year.
1: Yeah, I would definitely take Bethlehem and win this one. I think I mean, what we can look at as the perfect way to bounce back from a loss was Rochester earlier in the year when they lost 5-0 versus Charleston and then proceeded to go on an eight-match unbeaten run yeah, yeah, from the return. I think that's the mentality Bethlehem should take into this match that yep. they are angry with the last result and does not want to see a repeat of that occurrence, so I'll say 2-1 because with Ottawa in recent form, there's no way to keep them off the score sheet, mm. especially with 27 shots from or from Saturday's match against yeah. Toronto. Yeah. But Bethlehem take this one.
0: And then uh, closing out the weekend, Tampa Bay plays Harrisburg on, on short rest for the City Islanders. Uh, stranger things have happened, but I think this is the Rowdies game. Um, especially given that it's at Al Lang. Um Yeah. Uh, uh, I think Morel gets another one. I think Pattinson gets another one. Patterson, sorry. I think Joe Cole gets one. I'll go, uh, I'll go 3 nothing. Tampa Bay on this one.
1: Yeah, I don't see Harrisburg matching anything with Tampa right now. I mean, you know, we could see the Rowdies do a return to form from where they were at the start of the year. They had... A win or a draw here would lengthen their unbeaten streak to five. Even they've had, of their last four, three of them have been 2 0 results against Pittsburgh, Charleston, and Cincinnati in recent history. But even at home, I don't think Harrisburg has a chance. In this one, I'll pick 3 0. There you go. With Cole and Morrell taking two. Okay.
0: Uh, And then from there, uh, USL governor's meeting was happening, is happening in in Chicago, kind of concurrent with the um, MLS All-Star game. MLS All-Star
1: game, which is currently in penalty kicks right now.
0: Oh, fun. And uh, everything else going on down there. Um, A little bit of buzz about MLS two sides. I I, I really don't think we're going to know exactly what was said, anything like that. Um, I will say... Really, if if any of the ownership is complaining about having MLS two sides in USL proper at this point, um, I would encourage them to, one, uh, look at who was in the finals of your league last year, and two, um, remember what your league was like before MLS gave a shit and all these two teams came in
1: the article referring to you was published from an Oklahoma City. Yeah. Was it paper or website? I have the pa- uh, paper <laughs>
0: website. Website? Website? It's on the website. Yeah. I honestly don't think it's that great of an article but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I was just
1: publishing No, I know. And that's, and that's where it came product. out of
0: so that's what's going to happen. I The whole thing just bothers me because it's so irrelevant at this point. It's like a It's like whenever you turn on SiriusXM the last week or two and heard Jason fucking Davis screaming about how VAR was going to end the sport as we know it, and it's like, it's already happening. You can't do anything about it now. Um, And I'm I'm biased. Clearly I'm biased. But I just, I don't get why people care.
1: I mean, the MLSU teams are going to be here to stay. Yep. Yeah, there's more coming. Anywhere. Yeah, I mean, we still have yet to see DC, right. Minnesota, right. and Dallas, for instance, mm-hmm. who has who partner with Oklahoma City Energy. Right. Yep. And so maybe they were upset about losing their partnership again. That's Western Conference, not our forte of conversation. Right. But but you know. what struck out to me in this article was there was one Eastern Conference team. I said, regardless of what would happen, they would refuse to drop down, and they would focus on player development at the highest level. And I know you said that was Toronto, but I always took I took that more as it's either New York Red Bulls or Orlando. Speaking on that one right there, as Um, teams that focus on player development but want to perform at the highest level.
0: Yeah, we're never gonna know. Um, Honestly, I don't even know who's representing Bethlehem. if anyone is there and would like to tell me, um, that would be great. I don't feel like reaching out to the first team for information like that. Um, and and that's, you know, Brendan redirected me to, to Ernie Stewart. So I don't really want to waste everyone's time by doing that because that man has enough going on with trying to write the ship in the MLS. But, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, another one of those things where we're never really going to know what's, what's going on behind closed doors uh we don't like to end on on negative things so we won't uh the mls homegrown match that happened last night between uh the the mls homegrown players and uh chivas guadalajara's u20s was chock full of former usl guys let's run down the list shall we shall we chris goslin uh atlanta united played for the charleston battery um, Andrew Carlton as well played for the battery. Tyler Adams for Red Bull. Derek Etienne Jr. for Red Bull. Evan Loro for Red Bull. Jordan Hamilton for Toronto, ex-Wilmington Hammerhead, and then um, Derek Jones and Austin Trusty for, for Bethlehem slash the Philadelphia Union. Now, um, nothing cooler to me than seeing, um, especially Trust and, and and DJ play in in uh, in MLS games in general, but especially stuff like this. Um and especially seeing, you know, three of those guys going a whole ninety minutes, um, and everyone getting at least a half is, is awesome, except for Tyler Adams. Trusty but.
1: Derek Jones and Jordan Hamilton being the ones that went the ninety. Yep. Chris Goslin of Atlanta and Charleston and had the assist on the eventual tying goal yep. against Chivis, Guadalajara, U twenties. But it was just it's a great experience for these players, and for the MLS homegrown, it all seemed like that was a MLS two team all star. Yeah, yeah, just side within yeah, the yeah. league. I mean, yeah, of course we only named the Eastern Conference guys, sure. but there were a bunch of like Real Monarch guys on the other side. FC Dallas had theirs in there. Jesse Gonzalez, mm-hmm. the, yep. who just switched confederate or federations from Mexico to the United States, yeah. played a half for the homegrown's as well. So it's just really good to see. The MLS two player, at least being showcased on here and other MLS All Star news. Real sure Madrid did just beat All Stars on PK. He's again shrug for it's USL show, but yeah. yeah,
0: no, 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 that's another podcast. Uh, another
1: podcast. It's a USL theme. Oh, there we go. Here. Yeah, yeah,
0: there you got it. Um, yeah, no, uh, you know, it's just always great to see those guys progress and and get recognized by the league, you know, as as some of the guys to watch, um, especially given where they played, which, oh, look at that. Half of that team wouldn't be ex-USL guys if there wasn't MLS two sides.
1: Yeah, I was at the MLS homegrown game when the All-Star match was out in Denver when Tottenham were playing there, and they played Club America's mm. U-20 team or u twenty three. So I'm not sure, I can't remember which, and it's just it's good exposure for these players to play at least on this stage to be showcased by the league mm-hmm. and it goes back to MLS 2 who being a worthwhile development. Right. right. In my mind. Yep. I think the most entertaining thing from this was the numbers for the um Chivas Guadalajara team which hit oh, yeah. up into the triple digits. Yeah. Three eighty two was playing. Love it. Love it. Um
0: Yeah, that's a that's a system. I don't I never want American soccer to adopt it, but secretly I really do.
1: Um you don't ever want to see number 267. No, it it would, it would freak 318? me out. It would
0: it would freak me out. Um it'd be like everyone's trying to go to a deli at that point, which I don't know. I don't know. Um anyway, Ryan, well, let me all right, I'm bad. At, let me do this first while it's on my mind uh thank you for listening if you've made it this far thank you um episode 24 once again uh 21 24 24 24 it's week 24 um we'll call it jack bauer because i don't feel like being creative
1: um
0: you can find all the
1: episodes have been an hour so you can listen to it all in one day it's true you could 24 weeks
0: Mm -hmm. or listen to them all really fast in 24 minutes (sighs) Or give each episode a minute. Do that. Do that one. Let us know how that goes. Um, you can find this podcast as well as, like, a bunch of other podcasts that I always feel bad for not mentioning everybody, but there's there's too many of them now. Uh, BGN.FM is our network of podcasts. It scans for the beautiful game network of which we are a part of. Um, proudly. Hey, Mike. At that. Hello, Michael. Michael. <laughs> People call you that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> that felt odd. I'm sorry. Hi, Mike. Um, you can follow this podcast itself on Twitter at ECC pod, uh, easiest way to get in touch with us, easiest way to ask us questions, easiest way to do anything. Um, we're also on Stitcher for sure. iTunes for sure. Maybe Google play podcast. Uh, also BGM FM just hosted itself. You can just hit play. It'll be in a, a browser window and you can, you know, go do other stuff on your phone or whatever. Uh, and, and it'll still play in the background um ryan where can people find you and since i got in trouble for asking you about airport codes too often
1: um can,
0: <laughs> do you know like what the state flower for for like north carolina is
1: i can do a quick look i know the state yeah pardon, go for it. like it is for pretty much every other state oh good the good so the, well country. save
0: the flower then because we'll just we'll just go through the through the you know
1: the list, but uh, where can people
0: find you on Twitter and, and how can people interact with your, with your writing every, every week?
1: So you guys can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan. I also write for Indomitable city soccer, publishing the power rankings and Eastern conference team of the weeks on Sundays and or on Mondays and Tuesdays. Sundays when I write one of the pieces. So, and that is founded at Indomitable city soccer. Hey Josh. Hey Kyle. Hey Evan. And, and it's under the same moniker of ILM underscore Ryan, but that's usually all the stats stuff I publish out up over there. Um, it
0: still freaks me out that there's people that enjoy doing that. I get, you know, I hated. I that love if, stats, and I know, I know, and, and I know a stats are different. Dogwood. Someone tried to that's turn the... me, you know, on onto on to stats today, and it just didn't work. Um but to each their own. Uh A
1: flowering e- dogwood is the state flower of North Carolina. All right, finally cooperated.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Those are good. Good trees. Good trees. Um if for whatever reason you guys haven't heard enough of my opinions and or just, you know, me in general, um, I'm sorry. Uh but you can fix that. Uh at Volala's Via I L L E L L A, B S F C on Twitter. Uh Unfortunately, I'm the smaller, less attractive of the two people in my in my in my user picture. Um but the, you know that's just the hand I was dealt, really. It's genetics. Sorry, mom. Um I didn't I did, I'm sorry, I didn't mean anything by that. Um that'll be awkward later. And and you can find my writing uh on brotherlygame.com. Uh, at brotherlygame is where I live tweet a lot of the games if you want to follow along with me on match day. Um, I'll also plug Chris because he doesn't get a chance to talk about himself a whole lot. Uh, that's the gentleman that covers Harrisburg for us. Uh, he is phenomenal. Um, he did a, a really good interview with Bobby Warshaw recently after, after Bobby's book came out um, and that's got some USL stuff in it as well. Um, so, so definitely go give that a, a look if you're interested at all in reading about a, uh, an ex USL MLS guy's kind of career and, and what led him to that. Uh, I'm going to get out of here cause I'm rambling. So, um, on behalf of Ryan, on behalf of Phil, who is not here, uh, this has been the Easter conference.
1: What's that? The waviest man in St. Louis.
0: Yeah. The waviest man in St. Louis. Wavier than a bag of, of, uh, of the cheddar wavy Lay's potato chips. Uh, I I've been Evan Valhalla. This has been a sour cream ones. Ah, unpopular. I'm trying to leave the show and you keep throwing these terrible opinions out. What are you doing? (laughs) Better than this. No. All right, well, now I have to stop talking to you. Uh, this has been episode 24. Thank you for listening and we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week.